to be here. I'm Joan Hogan, welcoming you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Homer, Prairie Doc, is with me, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's a physician with the Vera Medical Group Brookings. He's a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. And he is also affiliated with South Dakota State University, where he conducts medical research. Good morning, Thank Dr. Good Holmes. Good morning, Joan Hogan. You ready for December? I am. I'm. I'm. I'm rip roaring ready. Here we come. Okay. You, know? you, you have your son Eric. Did he uh, get home? Eric is home for about a month from New York. That's My kind of a fun thing. Goodness. He's going to hang all with dear old whole dad. Whole month. I wonder why he's hanging with dear old dad. Because I'm going to have a little uh, <laughs> medical procedure, surgical <laughs> you, uh, procedure on Monday. So there. Well, it is. last night um, I didn't catch it, but my husband did. So I pulled it up on the web. KSFY ran a feature on the medical condition you're dealing with. And I know many of the people listening to the radio program are aware that you are dealing with cancer, but many others do not know. So I think this is an appropriate time. You're going to have to miss next week for sure because you'll have surgery next week. But tell us what's been going on since this fall. When did did you get the diagnosis? I had a belly pain uh, that was progressively getting worse. And then on October the 1st, uh, Dr. Wee removed my uh, gallbladder because it had everything to th- say it was gallbladder disease. Did it? Uh, it was abnormal, but there was an angi- or there was what's called a cholangiogram where they look at the biliary duct to make sure that there's no stone stuck in there. And what there was was there was a stricture, which means that it was a tightening of the the flow through the bile duct, and um, so that means bad news. Uh, a potential cancer and so I went to Sioux Falls they did a, a uh, ERCP procedure and they injected dye and and then a brushing and found that what looks like cancer cells are growing in the bile duct and maybe into the pancreas so uh, the oncologist and the surgeon and you know apparently a, a room full of experts said wow this might be a, a really lucky situation where we got it early and that we can cure it because it runs about a 7% uh, cure rate, uh, which is a 93%, 92% uh, you know, terminal cancer uh, story. But in this scenario, it's different. It's better, better, much better chance. Um, but they thought that it would be a good idea to do chemo before the procedure. So I did what is called uh, uh, neoadjuvant chemo. In other words, we don't know if you've got spread but we're going to give you before the surgery chemo to shrink it and make it even more uh, uh, surgically correctable and so they did that and I, I it, it really is chemo is really well I don't know if it worked or not I but I presume that it did it sure hit the rest of my system you know you really can feel that chemo and you don't really realize how frail you feel until the next week. You know, you get a week off in this kind of regimen, um, and you feel, oh, I'm feeling so much better. Ooh, yeah, I wish it kind of brought you down. And the next time I had the chemo, I went into a pretty big hole. And um, I remember I made it through my television show, and then we went to the after hours uh, and lost my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> The Not third, a good thing. the third chemo went a lot better actually, and um, except that you can feel the neuropathy associated with the heavy metal poisoning that they give you, which is it, it is it's a heavy metal op- oxyplatin 
or platinum. You were cold a lot, weren't you? Cold just drove you crazy. I mean, I just couldn't get warm, you know, that kind of a thing. Now I am on week, uh, so they had uh, chemo on, uh, off, two and a half on, weeks yep. ago. I'm into that third week without chemo. And, oh, oh, I'm a new man. I'm feeling really great. <laughs> right. and you and don't so have that real cold feeling I'm anymore? I'm not quite okay. as bad. You know, you okay. can... You still know you're cold. You can, uh, you know, I can't hold a cold beer in my hand. Oh, I put a, you got to put it tragedy. in. A, it tragedy. It has to go into a gazinta or a, a quiz. quiz <laughs> if you tried it through a straw. Uh, no, no, yeah, no. you can drink it now. I can drink it now, although the first couple, three days after the the chemo, uh, your your mouth explodes with discomfort when you eat something cool. So something cold. Yeah, you can, so you I'm hit. drinking warm beer. Or anything warm, you know, a lot of tea. Coffee, coffee tea. tea that's it. Yeah. So now uh, this coming Monday, they're going to do what's called a Whipple procedure where they're going to go in where the cancer, they think the cancer is, and they're going to remove all of that, which would include um, uh, tissues that might uh, have lymph nodes in it, you know, all of the tissue, connective tissue, which will be the first foot or so of small intestine, uh, part of the uh, the last part of the stomach as it goes into the small intestine, um, part of the bile duct that was affected, and uh, the head of the pancreas. And then they'll reconnect the small intestine with all those parts. It's called the Whipple. It's kind of a significant surgery. I'm going to have Why tubes in every, every orifice for a while, you know, and a uh, mm. feeding tube behind it in case the pancreas leaks which is the major side effect of that procedure because the pancreas is an auto digesting organ once you get it if it leaks any you know it, it's a digestive organ so it it's a pretty uh significant uh, uh bear in which to wrestle with you which have to major surgery coming up monday yeah major surgery yeah and you've been dealing with this since october we're going to take our first break and we'll continue the dis uh, discussion right after these words back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. I'm sure you're not happy to be hearing what you're hearing, but we have a very positive man facing cancer. Yeah. He's handling it well. Um, many of you are familiar with what's been going on, but for some of you, it's the first time you've heard about it. Yeah. So, tough deal. Well, it, you know, my sense is it, my whole life uh, has really uh, faced my own dying process after my sister died when she was 19. And uh, and I I remember thinking well I was kind of ashamed of of how she uh, acted she was such a wild and crazy kid she just she I think she even smoked cigarettes I mean oh my pasha pasha and uh, there were guys always knocking at the door you know and I was thinking you know I don't know whether she uh you know kissed any of those guys or not i mean oh my gosh you know i'm here i am two and a half years younger and i'm just worrying to death about my sister we fought and a lot and then she is killed in a car accident actually they want to say car crash nowadays and um <clears throat> so at i remember sitting in that hearse watching the or not in the hearse but in the the black car that they you're, that you're, follows that follows and uh, uh, uh all the people driving up to the graveyard that came around to support our family during that time in Smet. 
And thinking to myself, gee, I hope mm. she really did celebrate her life. Well, by, by golly, she did. I'm thinking that she really did celebrate her life. But I think after that, you know, it was really kind of a, a black cloud over our, our family. I was the only surviving kid, and I was a junior in high school, and my parents had to go through all of that loss. We, in, we invited a girl who uh, uh, lived in the country and was renting a place so that she could work at the Ritz Cafe in DeSmet at the time, Jeannie Van Dyke. So Jeannie moved in and kind of filled the, the space. She became a sister to me, still is. She lives in Sioux Falls. Uh, but um, the whole thing about my sister's death hung over my head for many, many years. I wish it could have been it should have been. Why did she lose her life? And uh, I think about 10 or 15 years ago, 20 years ago maybe, I said to myself, gee, why, have I, why am I still mourning? When I think of her, I shouldn't be sad. I should think about the glorious 19 years that she did have. Think about that. And how much fun you had she knowing her as had, your sister. What did she do? How did she affect everybody? She affected us all in many, many ways. And so, I mean, you know, none of us get out of here alive, whether it be 19 or 67 or... 95 or 106 I have a 106 year old woman in my in the nursing home with it mentally um, so, I mean, you don't know I mean what is a successful life well I would say a successful life is one that was well lived that was fully lived loving others opening your heart to the communication of other people and a life that is uh, fully savored as we go and lots of good fun and laughter well and cry and you know I've done that I you know I I, I ball at Hallmark Hall of Fame advertisements I um, and when my do you watch those Hallmark <laughs> Hall of Fame movies no, no, really no, no. you just cry but I well, every once in a while I do and you know whenever they, you, if you watch those commercials you can't you, you can't, can't help but them. cry looking uh, at them they're uh, so sweet and it warms yeah. the my heart to be yeah. to be uh, moved Right. It really does. My choral group saying, we had 35 people last night. Yeah, it's a large group. And well, we sang for in those who don't know about your choral group, tell us about that. Well, it's called the Hopeful Spirit Chorale. So, I mean, we sing for, you know, we sang for a, a 92 and 95-year-old couple just because they're because so with it could. and so much fun <laughs> and we could. We sing for people who are on their deathbed. We sometimes sing for, we go to the, uh, the assisted livings and sing for, for um, uh, the people there. Uh, we, we sing at the hospital for people in swing bed getting better. Uh, we did that yesterday. We actually, we had so many people, we just kind of sat and s sang in the middle of the, of the circle. And <laughs> you, you could, they could all hear you <laughs> if you were in the middle everybody. of the circle. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It's a great group. Yeah, it really Bob? is. I just wanted to ask you, and I hope you don't mind, um, your diagnosis, your whole family is affected, it's contagious, and has it, been, has it been cathartic for all of them to have some time together with you to come to terms oh. with your diagnosis, oh, and, yeah. and well, do you draw strength from that? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, you know, and it's, uh, of course, they know that the, the very most important thing for me to be, to, to say to them is that there should be no disharmony upon my going. You know, there you've, I've seen so many, as a, a physician, seen uh, families torn apart by who's going to get the this or the that or the who, how does the farm divide it? You know, you, you can't, there's nothing, 
not one thing in the world, not one material thing or parcel of land that's valued as important as the love between siblings. And so, you know, you just have to uh, make sure that they understand that. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a couple other lessons that I think, you know, that besides savoring every moment, there is solid data that says that fear of death is very harmful to you. Uh, it brings on running away from uh, approaching problems head on and getting them fixed when you can. It brings on a fear of being able to talk to people. It walls up. It brings on depression. It, it, the fear of it is really a manifestation of, of, um, of a, a bad omen for yourself. So and many people really hate talking about death, and I think well, that's one of the reasons that hospice care has been so effective and so helpful to but people. I, you know, that is true. But think about that, Joan. Uh, uh, I don't know about when you're before thirty, uh, but you, we should, you know, bef but we should all talk about it. Uh, uh, it's sometime uh, in our life. Sometime in our life, and maybe one time when you're when you're uh, 15 or 20 or 18, as soon as you're 18, how about it if you're in a nursing home and you're gonna be there all your life and you don't have a capacity to know what's going on, do you want a feeding tube, yes or no? That would be a question that an 18-year-old should be able to say, no, let me go. If they can say that, the rest of the family can blame the, the person rather than each other on that. I saw a family destroyed in Florida in, a, in an important case about that, that very same thing. The second one, though, is that somewhere in your 30s, we all reach a point where we go, oh, it isn't about me. Maybe not everybody gets there, but many, many people reach a level of maturity where they go, I've had a loss in my life, and I realize it can be me, it could be this, uh, and I've seen other people go through this, and really meaning comes to me as I care for other people, that I open up my heart to other people. There's where I get depth and meaning and 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 a direction, a, a road in which to travel. And it helps people uh, through that time, I think at a point where they realize that um, it's not about me. And uh, then, then uh, the fear of death uh, kind of goes away. I mean, we, we have to realize uh, that we're all gonna go uh, past this journey, cross the river Styx, you know, go to heaven or, um, uh, pass away, however oh, you want to put it. This is all going to happen to every one of us. Uh, does it have to be um, that we have to live to be 89 before we're satisfied that we've had a good life, you know? Uh, and so I, I've tried to live a good life, and I've had a lot of fun. So I'm ready if it happens, but I'm not, I'm not willing to, it to no, happen. No, no, no. Uh, but so I'm hopeful. I think the yeah. surgery has a good chance of a cure. If it doesn't have a cure, then I think there's new things happening with immunotherapy. I might knock on the door of the Avera immunotherapy uh, uh, people. Uh, certainly explore those things. I am not, um, I, I've looked at all uh, sorts of other options. Everybody, you know, dear friends have said go to the Mayo and I've had, uh, you know, dear, dear friends say go to the Mayo, go to MD Anderson, go to Cancer Centers of America. Go to Mexico's because they've got this promise for, you know, I've looked at every, all of those things. How about options of immunotherapy or um, um, uh, herbal therapy? Because look what the chemo did, did to my father and uh, took away his immune system and, 
uh, you, you try these alternatives? And my answer is, I'm probably going to stay right here uh, with my primary care doctor and my primary oncologist and my the surgeon that's, that I trust. You really trust the people that you're dealing with. I really and do. that's very important. And if they think that, oh, I should go to the Mayo, I'll... I'll go to the mail, and they'll t- and I I trust them enough to say, they will tell me to go to the mail when it's time to go to the mail. Right, right. Well, you're handling this well. We're going to take our next break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here in the studio with me, discussing his recent uh, diagnosis of cancer. In October, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and has been dealing with it since October. He's had three rounds of chemo and now on Monday he will face surgery and we are all very hopeful that that surgery will just be as am I (laughs) be the answer for the whole thing but knowing this and knowing pancreatic cancer does not have a really positive outlook for many people that you're you're facing death if you need to you'd rather not (laughs) you'd rather not you'd rather not you'd like to continue living but all of us you know if you I know you're a man of faith, and you know where your direction is. Yeah, I uh, I sense uh, the uh, there is so much we uh, we don't know. I mean, you think about um, uh, medicine and the science and all of the things. I had a conversation about um, uh, 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 intelligent design yesterday with with somebody. We just it just was we couldn't stop. I mean, there's another scientist. Because uh, I call myself a scientist, or at least a parascientist, because I base, I try to take that which has been developed with a, with a discerning eye of the search for truth that what I believe in my definition is science. And you take that and you give it to someone to make it, see if it, we can bring it to help you. And as time goes by, we've, we've been better able to do this. But science and all its power and all its strength and all of its understanding doesn't have a, it's like trying to figure out how do the brain, the brain works. You, we just, we're not there. We can't even come close. Uh, and and um, <clears throat> you look at the design of the, of the heart. I mean, you know, when the heart squeezes and pushes blood through all of the body and every single cell gets nourishment from the red cells that are carrying the oxygen and then it picks up the the uh, byproducts of the breakdown and the oxidation and then nutrients come with the proteins that are there and then as the heart stops squeezing the elasticity of the body pushes back so the blood starts running backwards automatically the aortic valve slams shut and the coronary arteries which are on three corners of the that uh, top hat, three-cornered, um, uh, or the, they actually the two arteries, the two major arteries, fill during the backflow uh, of the elasticity of all of the arteries, right? So then what is happening at that time with the heart? The heart is relaxing to fill, and it also gets its nourishment from the vessels that are filling, the coronary arteries that are filling from the elasticity of all the arteries of the body. Who designed that? <laughs> it's just fascinating. It is. Yeah. You talk. Your own body is the uh, most fascinating thing you'll ever. It experience. just goes on and on yeah. and on. There, how you you know how did it work? Well, well, Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest. Well, it started with the first cell. I mean, you can, come on. Um, 
So my, my whole sense of the divinity of intelligent design um, is there. I can't get past it. As, as a scientist, the more I learn, the more I'm just filled with the beauty of it all. What does that mean and, and so on are things that, you know, each of us have our own personal, private areas. And I truly think uh, one of the most important things we can do as a human being is to respect that other person's choice of spiritual thoughts and maybe i don't agree with you like my cousin bob who came from chicago area well March, he's from chicago you he can't expect from, much can well you? he uh, of course he, he and i p are politically opposed okay. let me just put it that way right. and we both looked at each other last night when we started to talk about the the presidential election and, and we both mm -hmm. made a couple comments smiled and said well let's just leave it right there <laughs> i respect his choices I think, I don't know if he totally respects mine, but I think he does. And um, uh, I think that that's an important thing that we do with religion, too. And so um, when it comes down to my faith and my spiritual sense, I'm, I'm filled with it. I'm just enriched by it. And I sense it, particularly when I'm singing. Isn't that the darndest thing? The singing you bring it out, huh? yeah. You mentioned the political. Oh, my goodness. We had our family. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I finally thought, I have to send them all an email. Please do not mention the presidential election at Christmas. We need to <laughs> celebrate. I just, I, the, the discussions were not good. No. And it was, no. you know, one family, but they're all in disagreement. And this it, you know it is not a good thing. But Every, Everybody's in agreement with this. With what? We're hopeful. <laughs> yes, We're that's hopeful it. No matter that who. good things will happen with our country. Which way you felt about that election, at least be hopeful that it will get better, and that's the only way Things it can be. Things are going to go but, in the right direction. Oh. We were gridlocked before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob. St. Luke was a doctor, one yeah, of the, yeah. one yes, of the apostles, <laughs> and he had the luxury of being with the greatest healer in the world, and it didn't cause him to renounce the skill that he possessed at that time. So there you go. The old thing about we walk <laughs> by faith and not by sight. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh. You are uh, a religious oh, man, Bob. He's a fount of knowledge. Is. This man is just a fount. He always amazes me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, But, you know, one of the things that's interesting is people, uh, it's sort of like, how do you tell ba people bad news? Uh, as a physician, I've had to address that. That's not um, an easy thing. No. So how do you approach a person who may have something that just scares the liver out of you? You know, the, uh, the, how do you talk to someone who might have cancer or who is dying? How do you talk to them? Many times people will say, I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to say anything. In fact, I'm not going to go there. And really, I have the best answer for you. Aren't you going to ask me? What would be the best answer? <laughs> <laughs> Humor. Funny. For Humor. goodness sake. It, uh, I mean, you know, uh, we've got to realize that um, uh, there isn't anything you can say to people. Uh, at the end of their lives, really, or the things that you can say to someone with bad, bad news, except, number one, I care. I mean, I think that's all you need to say, really. I really care if I can do something. And you know what? That's fine. I mean, uh, there's not much that they can do, but except you can care. And the other thing is, you know, if you want to hang out, you know, if, you, if there's a time we can just kind of hang out or have some coffee no big deal let's tell jokes I some mean, people have a very difficult time 
when they know someone's had a, a bad diagnosis or what's, whatever's going on in their yeah. life, they don't want to go near them. No, they, they're they so fearful. It. Well, I don't know. They're just so fearful they'll sound stupid. Better to sound stupid than to ignore yeah. someone you really care about. Now, you know, uh, you just, can, there's not one thing that you can say that's stupid yeah, you when just, you care about somebody. You really, Nothing really have you to care and be there with them. And I you agree can, with you on the humor. Or if you, you, if you say humor. something stupid, then, then, then there's something to laugh about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the guy will say, "Really, you think that? Yeah, that's that just not too bright." Right. So I mean, nothing changes for the person who ha- might have that terminal diagnosis. You know, right. you got it. They're, are, they're what they have is this amount of time to savor, just like we all have. We are not going to live forever. We have a certain amount of time. Who? How much time is that, doctor? The doctor goes, Whoa. "Heck, if I know." You know, be, I've had patients who had terminal cancer. I put them on hospice, and then ten years later, you know, they they died of a of a, a broken Something heart. Something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you just cancer. don't know. You really don't know for sure. Uh, I don't know when you're going to die. I don't know mm-hmm. when I'm going to die. I don't know when Bob is going to die. We're all going to die. Why don't we have some fun while we're here? Absolutely, enjoy life. But so, to the fullest. but were you going to ask me about TV show last tomorrow night? Oh, uh, there isn't one. Right, that was okay. my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you asked me, I answered you. Humor, no humor. humor. All right, but the we're going to do one. We're going to record. You are one. going to record yeah, one. It's on because genetic. you have nothing better to do with your time. You really won't take it easy, will you? So what? Th- Thanksgiving morning, I'm over there with my grandkids and my daughter, and we're ready to start the uh, turkey run. Mm-hmm. I don't run; I walk. And who runs up but? Dear old Rick Holm, honest to goodness, you never stop. Well, Did you I run mean, that race? Carter and Eric, jo- Julia didn't go. Preston's in New Orleans. Julia didn't run. I wish she would have. She could have. She's, she's been running. Uh, and Joni and I. I didn't see Joni, but I saw you and one son. Eric and, and Carter. Er- yep. Ran. And, uh, of course, Carter ran it in record time. I mean, he's been running, and he's really moving. He's really in <clears throat> And uh, uh, so... Well, I was surprised to see you there Thanksgiving morning, and then I thought, why am I surprised? It's Rick. <laughs> he was not going to stop, just like tomorrow night. You're going to do your show. I cut yeah. you off. You just have a minute. Tell us about the show. You're going to tape tomorrow We're night. We're going to tape a show on genetics. That'll be interesting. Uh, we have someone from uh, Sanford's, uh, USD Sanford School of Medicine, and we have someone from uh, the Avera uh, uh, system. Uh, the Avera system, you know, they bought the twin studies from Denmark. I mean, they, they have promise to put them in and keep them active and bring them to fruition the twin studies are fabulous wonderful genetic information because you got twins some of which were adopted away and you have them raised by different families so you've got environment Environment, versus genetic uh, studies and I mean it's just unbelievable the information that we can talk about with genetics and beyond my scope of knowledge I've got some questions I did the history I went through Mendelian and Darwinian and uh, you know the whole theory of necks getting longer because you're stretching the giraffes were stretching to get the top leaves was Lamarck's idea that was tossed out and 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 now is back with epigenetics oh we're out we're, of time we're running out of time but when will this this program will air in December though it will it? the end of December sometime in December I think the latter part so be w- listening for it tomorrow night it'll be uh fundraising for South Dakota Public Television. And we do hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And be listening again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group, Brookings. Good luck to you, Dr. Holm. We'll all be praying for you you Monday. Thank you.
That's what we call a prairie dog. A prairie. Oh, 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 ah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Thank you all, and stay healthy out there. Thank you.